This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you. And of course, a great, good Rosh Chodesh. It is Rosh Chodesh Menachem of today, the month that fortunately brings to mind all sorts of difficulties, times of pain and suffering for the Jewish people, destruction of the temple, the exile of the people, not once but twice and many times. And throughout history, this time of the year, particularly the day of Tisha B'Av, which comes next week, is a time that all sorts of tragedies befell the Jewish people in the recent modern day and uh, certainly in, in, in the ancient days. All sorts of things happened that caused us much grief and pain. And at the same time, of course, the Menachem of means consolation, where the father consoles his children, and in a sense we console God. And it all begins today, Rosh Chodesh Menachem of, and it ushers in the period known as the nine days, nine days where there is a sense of mourning and all sorts of restrictions apply with regards to what we can and cannot do. It's a time that we don't eat meat or drink wine. We eat meat only if there's a seum or a bris or something important like that. But the fact remains it's a time that we have to stop and consider our past, our difficulties, what we have gone through, and hopefully where we are going to. It's a time that we have to consider the responsibility and the merit of being a Jew. And I use those words in a balanced sort of way. On the one hand, we are Amnifchar, the chosen people. God himself repeats that many times throughout the Bible. And we have to understand that that is a title of great nobility, of great pride. And it's something that we should take very seriously. But with the merit of being the Am of Nifchar, we are also responsible to behave in a particular sort of way that reflects the chosenness of who and what we are. It's not a simple time. It's not an easy time. It's not a time that we, well, sit back and just mourn or feel sorry for what happened. It's a time of reflection. It's a time that we think about all those things that make for what is a Jew. And being a Jew is a combination of a great many factors. On the one hand, we have every right in the world to hide away and say, after all, what the nations have done to us again and again and again. And as we proclaim on Pesach and the Haggadah, the Seder, we say, Behold, door, door, in each and every single generation, there are those who rise up against us. And it's not something which we take lightly. It's something that we've gone through bitter experience. It's real, part and parcel of our history, of our reality. And it would be absolutely correct to hide away and say we want nothing to do with this world, nothing to do with the people in the world, because after all, they have mistreated us so badly time and again. At the same time, however, there is a great sense of responsibility, not only social responsibility, but the responsibility of being the messengers that reflect the presence of God in the world. This is something that we have to understand at all times, and it is something which comes again with great merit and great responsibility, the ability and the responsibility of somehow being that beacon, that model, that example that tells the world that God is alive and well, creator of heaven and earth is alive and well. There is purpose to whatever we do. We interact, we engage, we enter into the world, and we deal with the world in a way that reflects our strength, our pride, our hope, our destiny, 
our history. It is something that is very much part and parcel of who and what we are. As we enter into the nine days, this is what we think about. Have we lived up to that responsibility? Have we done what we could and what we should in order to be that authentic messenger, that authentic model and example of God's presence in the world? And sometimes we come short. Sometimes we have to think to ourselves that perhaps we haven't fulfilled that duty. And this is why the experience of exile, the experience of the Khurban destruction, the experience of going through all sorts of difficulties, those are stark reminders, indicators that not everything is right. Something is incomplete in this world. And we have to work for that completion. We have to work for that wholeness that the world needs and wants. And yes, you think to yourself, after all, who am I? I'm a single individual locked into a particular place and time in history. What effect, what kind of effect can I have on the world? And this is something which is important for us to remember. It is important for us to know at all times that every single time we do a good action, every single time we perform a mitzvah, the effect the result of that action goes far beyond the simple activity that we've been involved in. It has incredible energy that simply goes forward in the most powerful and strong way and touches all sorts of levels, geographic, spiritual, physical, throughout all of creation. Yes, that's the power of a mitzvah. And well, after all, you simply think to yourself, doing one little mitzvah, can that make a change? Maimonides reminds us again and again that the world is constantly in a state of balance, and every positive action moves the world into a state of greatness, of goodness, of holiness, of blessing, of reward, and all the wonderful things. And this is why today, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, we think about that responsibility, but at the same time, we remember the great schut, the great merit that we have, that we have been charged with that extraordinary duty of doing that which has to be done. And this is why this Parsha, or this double Parsha of Matas and Masai, always comes during the three weeks, either as individual Parshas or combined Parshas this year. But somehow it's these two Parshas that talk to us in, 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 in loud language about what, in fact, the nine days is all about, how we have to think about the story of destruction, how we have to think about the story of redemption. Because after all, this is what... Month of Av is all about Menachem Av. It's the consolation of Av. It's a time that we not only consider the destruction and the subsequent exile, it's the time that we consider the hope, the messianic hope of return, of God liberating the entire world and bringing it to a state of perfection as is promised time and again by our great sages in the name of Hashem. And this is something which is important for us to understand. In the darkness, in the difficulty, we are obligated to see the light, the joy, the hope, the messianic hope. And we say to ourselves, I mean, I believe with absolute faith in the coming of Mashiach. And yes, even though he may tarry, he may take his time, 
Nonetheless, this is something which I am completely dedicated to. This is my hope. This is my dream. This is how we have to approach the month of Menachem Av. On the one hand, yes, understanding the pain, the suffering, the hurt, the difficulty, at the same time bursting with a sense of joyous energy that redemption is possible. And indeed, as our sages have said, that is during this time that Mashiach is born. This is why these two parshas have to talk to us about these two ideas, the idea of recognizing difficulty and understanding the cause of difficulty, and at the same time recognizing hope and salvation and deliverance with the coming of Mashiach, but more of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the month of Av. We're talking about how it contains, on the one hand, reminders, memories of some of the most painful moments in Jewish history. And at the same time, we talk about this is a time to recognize hope and salvation and the coming of Mashiach. And we have to apply both of these ideas into our experiences of this month in order to appreciate the fullness of what this month represents. How do we actually implement within ourselves the ability to take two opposing emotions and simultaneously experience both, as we are expected to do during this opening month of Av. For that, we look at the Parsha, and it's a double Parsha. It's Matas and Masai, and it brings us to the end of Bamidbor, the Book of Numbers. And it's important to understand the Book of Numbers is not filled with joyous things all the time. We come across some of the most terrible mistakes the Jewish people made in terms of what they should or should not have done while they were in the wilderness, be that as it may. The Parsha of Matas opens up with the laws of vows and promises and how to nullify to the annulment of vows and promises. It goes on to talk about how Moshe is charged with putting together an army and to avenge the Jewish people by going into battle against the Midianites who brought them down spiritually. Remember a couple of weeks ago the Jewish people right on the threshold of coming into the promised land, behave in a way which was completely contrary to the will of God. And Pinchas stood up and had to do a heroic, radical act in order to stop that terrible type of behavior and the subsequent plague punishment that occurred. Parsha goes on to speak about two and a half tribes, Menashe, I'm sorry, Reuven and God, and half of Menashe. They wanted to stay on this side of the Jordan because they saw this incredible land and they said, we will occupy this land. And so on it goes into the next Parsha. We talk about the journeys, the 42 journeys the Jewish people took leaving Egypt, coming to this particular place and moment, about to enter into the promised land. And these are the two parshas that bring us to the conclusion of the book of Bamidbor. Now, what's that all about? And we take a look at the first of the two parshas. You know, we understand the fact that we had to go into battle against Midian before we enter the Promised Land because they were a spiritual obstacle in terms of going into the land. It had to be dealt with in a most effective sort of way. And we understand as well the two and a half tribes that want to take possession of land on this side of the Jordan. It's all in preparation of coming into the Promised Land. It's all in preparation of the great moment of salvation coming into the Promised 
promised land. But why begin the Parsha with the strange laws, these puzzling laws of, well, oaths and promises? They belong elsewhere in a different part, perhaps in the book of Ayikra, of Leviticus. Why over here speak about this whole idea of vows and promises that a person makes a nether? He somehow restricts himself from doing certain things, and when he realizes he cannot fulfill that restriction that he's undertaken, he has to go and have it annulled, either in one way or another, as the Torah explains at great length. What's that all about? Why is it here prior to the Jewish people coming into the Promised Land? And here we have an interesting insight into what this is all about. What happened over there at the time of Pinchas, when Pinchas had to act so dramatically to stop the bad behavior of the Jewish people? How is it possible that after all these years, the Jewish people, having come through the wilderness, coming to the promised land, could behave in such a brazen way against the will of God? After all, the Jewish people are about to enter the promised land, the moment of salvation, the moment of redemption, the moment they've been waiting for all these years, the fulfillment of the promise to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a moment beyond all moments. And yet, at this particular moment, they allow themselves to behave in such a vulgar, immoral, immodest sort of way where Pinchas had to do something so dramatic? Why did they behave in that sort of way? You might remember, and we've discussed this quite often over the last few weeks, that one of the mistakes the Jewish people made earlier on when the spies returned from the promised land, that they wanted to remain in the wilderness and not to go into the promised land, is because they felt they were living a beautiful spiritual life a life of incredible elegance. Manna fell from heaven. The water came from the well of Miriam. The clouds of glory protected the Jewish people during the day and at night. It was a time of unbelievable greatness and holiness. The Jewish people were able to dedicate themselves to the study of Torah in the purest sense without any consideration or worries about the material world. All that was supplied miraculously to the Jewish people. But God said this was not the intention. This may have been a preparation, but it was the purpose of God that we come into the promised land and work with the land, engage the material aspects of the world, and to deal with the physical dimensions of the world in a proper and good manner. And this was a time of great conflict. Time and again, the Jewish people are confronted with this issue, and they have to consider which direction they're going to go. Are they going to simply sit back and hope that life will continue to be a miraculous experience, or will they allow themselves to get involved in the world? And of course, they begin to realize that God's will is just that. You have to engage the world, engage the physical dimension, get involved in the world. And this is why they thought that in order to engage the world, they have to do so completely and totally. They forgot that it has to be done with a sense of balance. It's not as if it's either or, a spiritual or an absolutely physical experience that you go through. There has to be a sense of balance. In this physical world, there are rights and wrongs. There are those things we can do, and there are all sorts of prohibitions, things we cannot do. This is the mistake they made. They thought to themselves, if in fact the will of God is that we engage the world, let us engage the world completely and totally. And this is why they fell into that terrible, terrible situation of behaving so immorally, immodestly, 
when Pinchas had to stand up. They made the mistake of thinking to themselves that now they have the ability and power to overwhelm any type of physical weakness and seduction. They will stand firm and strong, and yet they realize that by engaging in an improper sort of way, the physical world can be destructive. The physical world is destructive. And this is what the vows are all about, the vows and promises that the person makes to restrict himself because he realizes that perhaps there are certain physical conditions in the world that he cannot deal with, he cannot live with. It is too tempting, it's overwhelming, he has certain weaknesses, he is at a disadvantage and therefore he undertakes to restrict himself from those things because they are about to enter into the promised land, which means engaging the physical world, engaging the material world getting involved on the level that God intended them. But the person thinks to himself, perhaps by getting engaged too much, I will fail and I will flounder. This is why we have the story of the annulment here and now. Here and now to remind us as we go into the promised land, as we engage the world, that it has to be done with a tremendous sense of responsibility and balance, not either or. It's not spiritual or totally physical. It is a healthy and divine combination of the two that brings about total and complete fulfillment. This is something which we have to understand at all times. We are human beings. We are not angels. At the same time, we are to engage the physical world and get involved in the physical world. But this is why we have Torah. This is why we have the mitzvot. We have the commandments because each one teaches us how to approach the physical world, how to deal with the physical world, to know the boundaries of what's acceptable and to know the boundaries of what's not, not acceptable, to know how far one can and should go and when there has to be a moment where a person says, I cannot go beyond this line because beyond this line I will fail I will stumble I will behave in a way which is not consistent with the will of God this is the idea this is the idea of the vows and promises as our sages tell us that a person from time to time has to build fences around his behavior in order to protect the essence of his moral quality of his moral commitment. This is something that we have to understand. This is what is happening as the Jewish people are coming into the promised land. We engage the physical world, but it has to be done in a way that reminds us at all times that there is a sense of balance between the spiritual and the physical. And this is why we need the incredible wisdom and guidance of Torah to tell us how far one can and should go and at what point a person has to stand back. And this is why this is immediately followed by the battle against the Midianites, because the Midianites, this is what precisely they did to the Jewish people, and they made them fall into the trap of temptation because they said to them, we will open our doors to you. You can behave in whatever way you want. Take whatever you want. Behave in any way you want. And the Jewish people made the mistake of thinking, well, perhaps this is the way they are going to engage the physical world. And this is why this Parsha always comes to us during the three weeks of time. As mentioned before, we have to create a sense of balance between right and wrong, between acceptable and non-acceptable, between that which is allowed and that which is prohibited. We have to bring about a state of balance between despair and pain and suffering, mourning, 
and at the same time to retain an inner sense of joy as well. And yes, we as human beings have the incredible capacity of creating this balance of opposite emotions, of opposite experiences. We are not one-directed. We are individuals who have tremendous capacities. We have a body, we have a soul, and the soul guides us, the body teaches us. We have to bring about a tremendous state of balance in everything that we do. And this is why we combine opposites at all time. This is what creates the perfect synthesis of what we should be doing in this physical world. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about creating a sense of balance between the physical and spiritual. We're talking about creating a sense of balance between the sadness of the month and the joy of the month. We're trying to talk about how is it possible for a human being who, after all, is a limited creature, for him to contain and express opposite feelings and at the same time in great measure. But before that, once again, the second of this week's two parshas, Masai, which means journeys, gives us an insight how a person is able to develop this incredible ability of balancing two opposite feelings, ideas, attitudes at the same time, how, in fact, the limited creature is able to take two things which are perhaps in opposition to each other, but both are good and therefore can be synthesized into something which is positive, into something which is good. And it talks about the journeys, the 42 stations journeys that the Jewish people took from the time they left Egypt until they came to the border of the Promised Land. Now that in itself is a great indicator of what has to happen. We don't go from point one to the very end in one jump or one stride. It is step by step. It's a journey. And a journey means that every single day we move forward. Every single day we somehow take the experiences of yesterday and we build on them. There is new scope, new hope, new expansion. We move forward. Yes, we always have our eye on the final destination. We always have our eye on the final purpose coming into the promised land, redemption, however our sages explain it. But the fact remains, we know in order to get there, we have to go step by step, station by station, the 42 journeys of life. And this is what gives us the ability of growth and development. No one is expected at the outset, once starting on the journey of life, to be absolutely complete and perfect. But as you grow, as you develop, as you recognize that each and every single day has to be a little bit greater and better than yesterday, and to remain in the same state as yesterday is a step backward. And a step backward is not a journey. It's loss. This is something that we have to understand. We have the capacity of growth. We have the capacity of change. We have the incredible capacity of doing extraordinary things if we so desire. 
If each and every single day we take one step, an intellectual step, an emotional step, a relationship step, any type of step, but a step that opens up our inner qualities of life, our intellect, our feelings, our experiences, we begin to see that, yes, we are able to take two separate things, bring them together, and feel at the same time this sense of greatness, this sense of purpose, this sense of application which smacks of the infinite because it's a combination of two opposites. This is something which comes about as a result of maturing growth and development. Very often the tragedy in life is most people just stay in one place. They reach a certain plateau and they no longer move forward. And when you no longer move forward, that lack of forward motion itself begins to dull your senses. It begins to slow down your ability to think and feel and experience properly. You begin to act, in a sense, immaturely. You begin to act as a child while you, in fact, chronologically happen to be an adult. There always has to be a sense of development, a sense of growth step by step. And yes, there are moments, there are times where we leap forward. We take 10, 50, and 100 steps at one shot, but the fact remains that each and every single day, indeed each and every single hour, there has to be a dedication and awareness of growth. And this growth itself expands our abilities to incredible dimensions far beyond the limitation of our own experiences when we first started out on those trips. These are the journeys that we take. These are the journeys that take us from absolute slavery in the land of Egypt to absolute redemption in the promised land. Yes, we went through the wilderness and we stopped in 42 places. Some of them were very difficult. Some of those experiences were tremendously challenging. Some of those experiences brought out the worst, not the best of the Jewish people because they chose badly. But the fact remains the opportunity for growth and develop was there each and every single step of the way. And this is why particularly the Shabbos and Shul tomorrow Listen carefully to both parshas as they are being read, because they will tell you how to deal with the issues of life generally, growth, development, change, hope, coming from one level and ending up at an incredibly high level. They will talk to you about understanding the balance between the spiritual and the physical, how far you can get involved in the physical, and when you have to apply restrictions, and when sometimes those restrictions are too overwhelming to nullify those restrictions. They will tell you a lot about yourself, but it means that you have to approach the subject with a sense of openness, with a sense of honesty, with a sense of clarity, because when you are clear, you begin to see the scope of your ability, how far you can go, and how intense it can be. At the same time, it'll tell you how to deal with the month of Menachem Av as well. Yes, a time of sadness. Yes, a time that we remember pain and suffering and loss and exile and destruction, but also a time that our sages tell us is opportune for the greatest and most positive change, the coming of Mashiach himself, total and complete redemption for all of God's creation. Listen carefully to the Parsha. Try to understand the story. Try to feel with the tribes of Reuven Gad and half of 
uh, half of Menashe who want to stay on this side of the Jordan because they want to elevate the land and to bring it to the same level as the promised and holy land. And that's exactly what they ultimately accomplished with great difficulty, but nonetheless. Listen carefully to the story of having to go into battle against the Midianites, who tempt us with all sorts of wonderful physical promises, but ultimately destroy the uniqueness of our chosenness and bring us down to a level of paralysis, and we become, well, almost paralyzed to the point we cannot move forward. Understand what the challenges are. Listen to the Parsha carefully, and you will see what, in fact, it has to tell us. So have a great Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. May the nine days be transformed into days of incredible joy. Good Chodesh. Good Chodesh Menachem Av. Good Shabbos.